How do you do, fellow kids, and welcome to Reskins, a weekly episodic discussion of the star-studded and scandalous <laughs> teen drama phenomenon of the two thousands, the late two thousands. Skins. This week we'll be talking about episode four of series one, Chris. Chris. Um, and we don't have a drink this week because um, I've just polished off the house wine, uh, the only house wine, and it's school night, so. Yeah, um, so we are going to have invisible margaritas. Well, I'm having water. You're having, having water, I'm having, I'm having some squash. Robinsons, yeah. <laughs> Lovely, rock and roll. Um, I felt like because it was Chris's episode, we should have like beers or something, but well, maybe next time. You know, maybe we we spent our last thousand quid on... On toot. On, on gummies. <laughs> yes. Um, so, uh, this episode was written by Jack Thorne. Yes. Who, at the time, would have been best known for his play When You Cure Me, which was about, uh, young love and coping with serious illness. Mm. Uh, and his other play, Fanny and Faggot, uh, which is about the life of Mary Bell, a young woman, 11 years old, who was convicted of killing two toddlers in the 60s. Yeah, so since Skins, though, he's gone on to do all sorts of things, including Shameless, uh, This Is England, uh, and then series like The Fades, Glue, his own series, Cast Offs, National Treasure, Kiri, uh, and the recent BBC adaptation of his Dark Materials, as well as loads of uh, theatre as well. Yeah, I really like Jack Thorne. I really like Jack Thorne's work. Mm -hmm. Um, particularly for television, but his theatre work as well is brilliant. Obviously not talking about he... She, she, she who shall not be named. <laughs> shall not be named today. Um, but yeah, he's done lots of really uh, amazing and incredible work in television and film and theatre. And Skins is where he got his start That's with right. this episode. Um, so this episode starts off with not a bang, but... A massive comedy erection. <laughs> a massive comedy erection. Well, there um, we go. So Chris wakes up with a massive comedy erection at home. He feeds his fish a pill and some weed uh, and then sticks the pillbox onto the wall where he's got a a bunch of pillboxes and stuff. Uh, A pillbox is like an actual thing. I mean like a a packet that pills come in. Yeah, so we can see what the pills are. It's, It's Viagra or it's Erectagra. 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 Which which is weird because they talk about Viagra later in the episode and they name it. Yeah, but maybe it's something, I don't know, maybe it's different if you see a visual of Mm. it. I don't know. Props to the the prop department anyway. (laughs) You also see our first glimpse of this 80s aerobics video that kind of recurs through the episode as well. So there are some lovely, loud, brightly coloured neon leotards and leg warmers and stuff. So See where Chris gets some of his fashion inspiration from. Absolutely. And if this was a video podcast, you would be able to see that in tribute to Chris, I'm wearing a very loud Ah. and colourful patterned t-shirt today. I'm just wearing a dressing gown. (laughs) (laughs) In tribute to, well, nobody. nobody. (laughs) Following this scene, uh, we get a scene of Chris going to the bathroom Mm -hmm. and pissing with a hard-on as the old busted parody song went. Um, Oh, like sleeping with the light 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 on. on. (laughs) After taking some of the aforementioned Viagra or Erectagra. Erectagra sounds like a He-Man character or something. (laughs) Um, So he's having to, after that he has to pee in the shower because he can't get his hard-on to go down. There's lots of Erectagra 
directions in this episode. And I think we need to come up with a, how are we going to refer to it? Because I think there's no nice way of referring to that. Well, yes, there's lots of erections. So we'll just say erections. Erections. Lots of erections, lots of pee and lots of fish in this episode. Lovely. Um, So those are our three recurring kind of motifs here. And lots of the aerobics video as well. I think this this scene of him pissing with the hard-on is so, like, visceral and gross and so arresting and weird to see that I found it compelling, even though it was horrible. Yeah, there's like, there's a kind of close-up of the pee and it's just like, oh, this is a bit much. So gross. Um, So following that, uh, Chris comes downstairs and into the kitchen. He has a shower cap over his erect penis, uh, which is a very good skins joke, I think. Yeah, and again, there's a lot of nudity in this episode. A lot of nudity, yes. Which is quite shocking when you you look back at it. Shocking, but also I think Joe Dempsey, who plays Chris, um, was one of the only cast members who was old enough to do nudity, who was older than his character was supposed Uh to be. So maybe that's something in that. So Chris finds that his mum has left him an envelope saying that she's going to be gone for a few days and she's left him £1,000, which was a lot of money in 2007 because it was just before the recession. That's true. Um, and yeah, Chris is very excited about it. Into Chris's Chris's house file Maxi, Anwar, Tony, pretty much all the Skins guys and Sid as well. Uh, Chris is still hanging about super naked, so... Is he naked in this scene? Or is he's at least shirtless. Wow. So you would have thought he would at least put a t-shirt on before his pals arrived, but anyway. Uh, well, Anwar is very excited about the money and throws it up in the air, which you would definitely do. Mm-hmm. Um, I did question why Chris needed Tony to count the money. Again, it's, I think it's like a kind of Tony control thing. Ah. It's like a, another sign of Tony having to have a stake or having to have a a final word on everything that's happening. Mm, You might be right, actually. So before the first ad break is through, Chris throws the first proper, I would say, Skins party. Um, Oh, what about Abigail's? Poor Abigail's. (laughs) Didn't quite cut the mustard. Um, So they're playing Prince Charming by Adam and the Ants. Uh This episode is full to the brim with bangers. Um, And there's this kind of interesting thread for me of 80s music. Like, Chris is clearly into, like, bangers, like, dance music, but he's also into 80s music, um, which I think is quite interesting. And it did make me wonder, like, do they call them Gen Z? Zoomers. 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 um, Kind of think of this... Think of 90s music in the same way as the same sort of ancient history that we would have thought of. Well, yeah, because I, I think when, because we were just out of school when Skins was on, like, we did have this sort of reverence for 80s pop. Yeah, we used to go to, I used to go to, like, school discos, which was weird because I was just out of school. But, you know, where you dress up in a school yeah. uniform and you go to, like, a school disco yeah. kind of you know, club night thing. Yeah, and it was and like then, Chesney Hawks and... Yeah. Oh, no, Chesney Hawks was like early... was very early 90s. Very early 90s. Oh, well. 89, early 90s. But they would play like 80s songs uh-huh. and it would be like, most of us weren't even born when this came out, but yeah. okay, <laughs> fine. Anyway, playing Prince Charming by Adam and the Ants, which is brilliant. This party... And the way it's filmed is very stylized and feels quite 90s. Just the way that kind of Chris is uh, acting and the way that it's, it's shot and he's like laying backwards on the floor and it's all very... The way that they showed like party scenes at the time. 
Yeah. Um, it did remind me of Smack My Bitch Up, the Prodigy video. Yeah, like that kind of. kind of different kind of woozy to the Cassie episode. Mm. Got yeah. a fish eye lens as well. Fish eye lens, because uh, Chris loves fish. Mm-hmm. Um, and we get lots of little kind of snips of people at the party, these little vignettes. Maxi and Anwar are very focused on Chris's erection, mm-hmm. uh, which he still has. And he's apparently been sellotaping it to his stomach. Yeah, I, I mean, I know Maxi and Anwar haven't had a lot to do in the series so far but a whole discussion about tucking logistics is a little bit of a a reach to give them something to do yeah, in this episode. I, I kind of really realised that in this episode that that we haven't actually seen much of Maxi and Anwar mm. so far and what they have been given to do has not been particularly interesting, bless them. Um, which is a shame because I think certainly Dev Patel definitely is a really yeah. good actor, um, interesting kind of character as well yeah so Sid's um chatting up some random girl in the in the drunk corner girl. she's drunk um and you kind of know where the, the whole scene's gonna go because she's obviously starting to feel sick and she's a bit nauseous and a bit woozy and Sid's sort of pouring his heart out to her and trying to say tell her about the situation with Michelle but really all she's kind of interested in is puking all over him uh, and she's wearing great leggings she does look a bit like Cassie as well I would say I didn't really notice. I didn't think mm, that. Okay. I thought. Oh, no, I thought she looked a little bit like Effie because mm. she's brunette and she. I, wish, ca- I yeah. think she was blonde. Anyway, oh, well. so after that we get uh, Chris rolling a joint with a child drug dealer, which is a very good stupid skins joke. I think this child drug dealer comes back at some point as well, and it's also a joke that maybe it was even Jack Thorne that came up with it, but they recycled it on Shameless. Yeah, so like it's this kind of seven-year-old dealer that. It's just hanging around. We get to my outfit of the episode as well. Oh, wow. I think uh, as Tony enters, Tony is wearing a nice coat. A nice nice, coat. Or a nice jacket. What kind of jacket? Uh, It's just a black jacket. Oh, wow. Very. He looks very villainous in this episode in this this black jacket. I think Tony is quite interesting in this episode, but Mm. we'll get more. We'll get onto that later. Chris says that he knows about 10% of the people at his party. Um, I've definitely been to that teenage house party. Yeah, but not in my own house. Not in my own house. And not no. including my own teacher, uh, because Angie t- turns out to be at the party as well. She does. Uh, this is my outfit of the week, Angie, in this absolutely perfect dress and hair. And the the absolute French chef's kiss moment is that she turns up with a bottle of wine and she's holding it in two hands. And I just... Love her so much. <laughs> and it is it was a close competition because also in the same scene we see that Cassie is wearing a stuffed gibbon toy as a necklace, <laughs> which I obviously love. Yeah, I was like, is it a, is it a necklace? Is it a bag? It is iconic, whatever it is. Um, I didn't want to make that my outfit of the week because Cassie's been my outfit of the week every week so far. Do you know what? Um, Actually, let's just let's just let's just go with it. It's a strong second. Anyway, Angie's here. Uh, and Chris rushes across the dance floor, which is his own living room, to put on a slow song to dance with Angie too. And it's Jennifer Warren and Joe Cocker's Up Where We Belong. Love Lift Us Up. Where yeah, we which is a song from an officer and a gentleman. Or oh, it's is like, it? It's, I know uh, it from Moulin Rouge. <laughs> romantic song anyway. So meanwhile, we do see Maxie in the background chatting up a boy. Wow, very modern. Yes. Um, so Chris is talking to Angie. Uh, this performance is really lovely. 
Yeah, he's kind of he starts off by extolling the virtues of dancing and dancing saying dancing is the best thing in the world. Dancing is the best thing. It's good for your physical and mental health. He says, oh, um, mental health advocate Chris, love it. But then he gets a little bit too close with his erection. Can I just say, like, I love Chris as this sort of pilled up philosopher, um, and we get little uh, examples of this throughout the episode. Uh, and I just think it's really lovely. And he's very romantic. Like, even though it's obviously gross that he yeah. fancies his teacher and is kind of, uh, he's invited her to his party. Arguably, she could have not come and she probably shouldn't have come. Um, but he is this old romantic and almost like an 80s movie style romantic, I think. Mm. And I just, I fucking love Chris. He's one of my favourite characters. Yeah. And you seem to be expecting other teachers to be there. Which is I think the, she was telling biggest, herself <laughs> yeah, that she's reaching. You know, oh, if you can't lie to yourself, how are you? How are you going to lie to anybody else, Angie? So Chris gets close to Angie uh, as they're slow dancing, and he's caught his erection. And Angie has a realization. She nopes right out of there. <laughs> she does. She, she nopes over across the dance. She floor. eats herself across the dance floor um, after encountering Chris's erection. Angie runs outside, and Chris chases after her, standing, explaining that he's taking. In Viagra, uh, and there's just a and Angie saying that it was a bad idea for her to come is realizing that she is getting in a bit too deep with Chris uh, and and runs away, uh, and he's explaining that he's taken Viagra. Uh, and that's why he had a, an erection. Uh, and there's just a very skins cap to the scene with like a, an old couple in the background. Yeah, and he's he's saying, "Oh, look! I told you that's what happens when you take that Viagra." Uh, and the the old lady calls the old man Casanova, which I just think is a fucking brilliant joke. God love this. These two old actors, they're so good. Um, with I, their like handful of lines. Yeah, and again though, they call it Viagra, not. Yeah, yeah that's Tigra. that's what I meant. Like when they called they called it Viagra in this scene, not erect erect erectagra, my favorite He-Man character. <laughs> so then we cut to Tony and Michelle who are in Chris's bedroom, and Michelle is trying to seduce Tony. Yeah, well, I thought they were getting ready to have sex in Chris's bed, which just seemed really rude. They're talking about Chris's mum, exactly the thing you'd want to talk about before you had sex. Um, Tony is characteristically dismissive of her mental health uh, and thinks she's a nut. Um, but he does think Chris is sweet, um, which I think is is part of this interesting thread throughout the episode that does end at one at some point, and I'll point it out later, of Chris being somebody that Tony actually likes. Mm. And I wonder if it's because he's not threatened by Chris, but he sees himself as on the same level as Chris. That's an interesting point. And I also wonder if there's an element of him not always being able to manipulate Chris, because Chris is so sort of on his own wavelength. Yeah, and he's too much of a wild card for yeah. Tony, and maybe there is a kind of res- like a quiet respect for Chris. I just thought it was interesting, because yeah. we've not really seen... Apart from Effie, we've not really seen Tony like anyone or be respectful of anyone yet, unless he really clearly had something to get out of them. Yeah. And, and well, arguably, Chris has got a thousand pounds, which 
Tony is enjoying. Yeah. But yeah, I just thought that was interesting. It is interesting. Well, he's certainly not respecting Michelle, who is trying to get him to come to bed, but he's more interested in the fish. He's watching the fish in the fish tank. Right. So Tony tells Michelle, uh, Tony says to Michelle that she has one boob bigger than the other. Uh, another bit of Tony negging. Mm-hmm. And then Sid enters. A perfect opportunity for Michelle to... Uh, to ask him. <laughs> to ask him and to and to flash Sid. Yeah, uh, making him feel really awkward. Um, another example, I think, of Sid being this sort of pawn between Tony and Michelle. Um, it's like they barely see him as a real person. I also want to give a shout out to Michelle's earrings in this scene. She's wearing these big blue, sort of metallic blue hoops. Oh, yeah. Which just, I would wear those now. They're absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, she wears a bright pink headband later on in the episode what as well. Which icon. Is, so she has statement accessories, Michelle. She <laughs> certainly does. Which is a very 2007 move, I think. Yeah. Um, if you can't afford a new outfit, buy lots of Claire's accessories to make it look nice. So after Michelle flashes Sid, he gets uncomfortable, he leaves, um, saying that his eyes were going blurry. Tony kind of laughs it off, and Michelle says, well, your eyes are supposed to go blurry as well. And Oh, poor Michelle. Takes a bit of a huff and turns over the, in the bed. And then Tony kind of comes over and as soon as he gets into the bed with her she completely melts and it's like there was no problem to begin with Mm. i'm still not seeing what michelle sees in tony but maybe we'll find out in another episode Mm. um so the morning after the night before chris wakes up and he buys a big crate of milk from a milk float which felt like an archaic sort of victorian moment i feel like even in 2007 a milk float would have been uh, kind of unusual. Yeah, well, this scene starts in quite an unusual way because there's sort of fragments of backwards music and dialogue. Yes, you know what I thought it was? I thought it was like a TARDIS noise, hmm. but maybe that's just me. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, so he takes his milk delivery into the house um, and who does he bump into but Jal, who is also at the party. Well, I just want to say on the milk moment, I think this is very Chris. Like, he wants to look after everyone, but the only way he knows how to do that is to buy a fuckload of milk. A great, a great big delivery of milk. Yes, mm. he's just very altruistic and very... There's, like, a real earnest sweetness to Chris. Like, we get this mirror, like, earlier on, we saw him filling his fridge up with beer. And then in this scene, we get him filling the fridge up with milk um, to share with everyone. I just think it's so brilliant. Um, so yeah, he's with Jal in the kitchen. And they have a bit of a moment, don't they? They they bond over Jal's recent Young Musician of the Year appearance. The most important revelation of the episode, I would say. And she didn't win. She did not win Young Musician of the Year after all that to do last episode. She did get £25 to cover her travel expenses and I have definitely had that gig. Uh, mm-hmm. Poor Jal. Jal asks Chris where his mum is and he says he doesn't know. Do you think he does know? There's there's a suggestion that this has been this is a pattern of repeated behaviour. Yes. Um so I don't know if he knows exactly where her whereabouts are, but I think he knows what's going on. Yes. And so will we soon, mm. I suspect. Following that scene, we get everyone asleep in the living room and Sid and Cassie are spooning on the couch. Another scene of Sid talking to another girl about Michelle uh, and what he thinks of her. 
but his uh, I've said stiffy here, and I'm quite sort of <laughs> his sti- well, no, no, Cassie does say Cassie calls it a stiffy. That's yeah. why I said stiffy. So uh, yeah, Sid's stiffy is digging into Cassie's back. So many erections in this episode, and after he's kind of talked to her about Michelle, Cassie asks. Sid, you know there are other girls. And Sid replies, where, when Cassie's lying immediately in that front of him. That is fucking heartbreaking. It is. Like, and I hate Sid in this moment. In, not only in this moment, but Sid comes across pretty badly in this episode. In this episode. Like, he's, he, he is characterised as a bit of a, an incel in this episode. Oh, he's, no. Like, yeah, <laughs> he's not, it's not as sympathetic a portrayal of Sid I as, think as we've seen before. I think that's interesting mm. that um, it's taken another writer, a different writer, to give us this less sympathetic perspective on Sid. Um, let's see how it goes next week when it's mm-hmm. Sid's episode. So Chris, the provider, has called in pizzas. Good old Chris. What's he like Good getting the pizzas Chris. in? But he's a bit short of cash when the pizza delivery man appears. So he has to go upstairs because his mum keeps money upstairs. Uh, So he's rifling through her drawers and he realises all her stuff is gone. Um, And presumably she's gone with it. Um, This scene I just thought was really heartbreaking, like really, really sad. I think I just, it just speaks to how much I like Chris even up to this point already, that I'm heartbroken for him. Again, this is an instance of Skins showing, not telling, because you get a scene of uh, Chris getting into the cupboard and he sits in the cupboard in a kind of fetal position for a couple of seconds before Tony and Sid burst in. Well, he sits in the cupboard in this fetal position uh, and closes the door. And for me, there's this sense that Chris has had such a shitty time of it in his childhood that maybe part of him is still stuck there. Well, there's a lot of revelations later on which would would lend that more credence. Um, So Chris is in the cupboard and the cupboard falls over and he sort of Hulk smashes out of it, which I just love. Like, this is absolutely one of my favourite scenes in the whole series. I wonder if they had multiple takes of that scene. It was like, (laughs) you've got one wardrobe... And then that's it. (laughs) It's so good. And just like the way he sort of climbs out of it and he's completely broken and so is the wardrobe. He's coming out of the closet. He, well, not... (laughs) He he is. He literally is. He is literally, but not metaphorically. Um, So Tony, again, I thought Tony in the scene was quite tender um, when he asks... Um, if if she's gone, if Chris's mum has gone, and he's quite sweet, which I again I th- I, f- I find quite interesting. What do you make of Tony and Chris's relationship? There is a, a a way in which Tony responds to Chris and doesn't doesn't manipulate Chris as much as he does other characters, particularly Sid. And if you remember our last scene where Tony and Sid were together. Sid, who'd been puked on by that girl, had to change his T-shirt. So Tony picked out a T-shirt for him to wear, which he's wearing in this scene, Mm. um, which is a T-shirt saying satisfaction guaranteed. Wow, interesting. Mm. Okay, interesting. Um, But yeah, Tony seems to have more of a... he, He seems to see Chris as more of a peer and an equal to him 
just never picked up on that the first time around. I think it's quite interesting. Um, Chris also says that his stiffy has gone down. Tony suggests that taking Viagra has made Chris's dick bigger. I don't know if that is scientifically accurate or proven, because mm. um, we know canonically that Chris has a small penis. Well, yeah, and I don't know whether this may be actually a, an instance of Tony negging Chris again. Do you know what I mean? Like mm. saying, well, of course your dick's getting bigger because it was smaller before, so... Um, and Tony also says that Chris will have seven years bad luck for smashing the mirror in the cupboard. Um, and arguably, Chris does. Well, we no see... Spoilers. <laughs> no spoilers. No spoilers. There are some unfortunate events through the rest of the episode. Um, so the next scene um, has everybody. It's a nice ensemble scene. We've got the whole gang together in the living room waiting on pizza. So everybody except for Chris, but including the pizza delivery guy who is still waiting for payment um, and he won't go until they've settled the money. Um, what I really like in this scene, just a really tiny detail, is that Cassie is painting Maxie's nails, oh, yeah. uh, his toenails, and it's just so lovely. It made me think of um, a little personal story, but... Um, when I was younger, when I was 16, and it seems wild to think about this now, but when I was 16, I went to Magaluf with a bunch of my friends. Um, we went on like a, cub a clubbing holiday. Um, and I remember one night, um, me and my friend, who was kind of the Cassie of our group, like the sort of wildly dressed one and slightly hippie drippy one, um, I woke up one morning and she had painted my nails during the night, my toenails. And I hate my feet to the point that I usually prefer to pretend I don't have feet. Um, so I just found it uh, interesting and unusual. Anyway, that was my little story time. Well, that was an anecdote and a revelation. <laughs> you heard it here first. Michael pretends sometimes that he doesn't have feet. Yes. Um, so to get money to pay for the pizza, Chris is trying to take his hi-fi back. And this is the weirdest, funniest little scene. Do you know, the, the guy who works in the uh, in the shop is one of the best bit part actors that they have. He's, he's got about three lines, but he's so good. He makes the most of it. He them. absolutely does. Where is that guy now? He should have won an Oscar. He should. <laughs> he, should, he, should <laughs> he should have had the career trajectory that Nicholas Holt had. <laughs> Earlier in the episode, when Chris was getting about it, going about his day, we saw him making Pop-Tarts. And the Pop-Tarts come back to pay off in this scene when it's revealed that the hi-fi that they're trying to flog has a Pop-Tart in the drawer. Doesn't it seem so weird that somebody would have a hi-fi? Like, I think even at this point, it's suggested that having a hi-fi is like a sort of old-fashioned, archaic thing. They could have taken it a step further. It could have been a ghetto blaster. <laughs> it could have been a boombox. So he tries to take it to different shops and nowhere wants to take it, including the shop that has um, We Buy Anything on a banner <laughs> in front of it. Um, so he has to take it to the scrapyard. Oh, before yeah, before they go to the scrapyard, though, they go to this music shop. It's like this record shop. The, the owner sort of shouts at them to go away and I swear to God I have been in that yeah, shop. what a weird thing. What a weird thing. Um, so yeah, so they do end up going to the scrapyard um, where they try and flog it to... Um, I recognise this actor. He's in Skins Again. He plays, I think, a Gen 2 episode ah, as okay. like Cook's old friend. So as it happens, he he's a dealer. 
He's a drug dealer and he owns a scrapyard and he offers Chris either money or pills um, for everything, including the wheelbarrow that he brought the hi-fi in. Um, he offers him £20 or some pills. Uh, and Chris is just about to take the money when he utters his iconic catchphrase, Fuck it. And he takes the pills. I love this mad scene of Chris feeding the pills to his fish um, with like this crazy music and yeah, and again we see it from you know we see it through the fish tank and it's a little bit off kilter and just totally through Chris's eyes. These are the scenes for me that like elevate Skins beyond just being a, a like teen drama. It's yeah. not a soapy teen drama. Like it really is about the the internal lives of these kids as well as the the dramas and the relationships and the Sid and Cassie, Tony yeah. and Michelle kind of stuff. It's also about feeding live animals drugs. Yes. Which is not a good idea. It's okay, Peter. <laughs> <laughs> which is not a good idea as we as we see when the fish dies. And All right, Chris Pete. has to get rid of it. So our very first skins casualty. Gone but not forgotten, the goldfish. As Chris is taking his fish to dispose of it. Um, there's graffiti everywhere in the house, all over the walls, um, including uh, later on what looks like poo. Written. <laughs> uh, <not laughs> um, nice. Well, either way, the place is trashed. Uh, but Chris stops to try and rub out some graffiti that says, fuck your mum. Um, which is just heartbreaking and so sad. Um, He goes to flush the fish down the toilet, but he realises that somebody has nicked the toilet. And there's just a hole in the floor. There's a hole in the floor. Um, He does chuck the fish down the hole and chucks a pail down after it. And it's just, it's so crisp and so skins and so lovely, this scene. like. But then, turns out, when Chris goes to get a shower, there is a man with dreads sleeping in his bath. It's a squatter. A squatter, yes. Awful. This very Bristol character, I think. This white guy with dreadlocks. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that very specific sort of hippie fleece that they all wear. Yeah. Um, so there's a bit of a scuffle as Chris, who is naked all the while. Bollock naked. Bollock naked is trying to get this guy out of the, out of the house. But like dragging him through the bathroom and to the stairs but it ends up that Chris sort of falls down the stairs or did he fall or was he pushed Uh, I think he just fell but (laughs) I fucking hate this hippie guy I really don't like him um so it ends up that the man pushes Chris out of the house and locks him out of his own house still naked uh and calls him a very aggressive young man yeah this is a really frustrating situation isn't it like not only is Chris naked on the street in front of his own house which has been locked out of which has been trashed this guy is telling him you need to calm down Ugh, awful i hate him i really don't like this guy um so chris who is naked and has literally nothing uh not even a house at this point uh ends up walking up the street naked in this very skins scene this quite i would say iconic skins scene he has quite a swagger when he's walking up the street naked and i did question how they filmed this because presumably yeah because there's cars kind of going up and down the street as well it doesn't look like it was a closed well it wasn't a closed set by any means so there you go joe dempsey giving it the big kahuna (laughs) i don't know (laughs) Chris, I hope this isn't a long walk from Chris's house to the college. 
village where he ends up because if you're going to be walking some distance naked, that's going to be uncomfortable on your feet. The best. Oh, I'm glad that that's the only thing you were thinking about. <laughs> so he goes to the college to see Angie, who I would argue in this scene finally acts like a fucking adult and a responsible adult. Yeah. She kind of puts a blanket over Chris. I think the sweetest thing about it is Chris didn't think anyone would notice him being naked. Um, but there's a big crowd of people watching at the window, which suggests otherwise. Um, So we see the Skins gang arriving, everybody coming, bringing along some clothes to wear. This is actually from the Unseen Skins. Um, Maxie, Anwar, Cassie and Michelle are sort of taking bets and trying to get bits, uh, trying to get items of clothes off people. Mm -hmm. Um, And it ends up with... Uh, Maxi kissing a boy uh, and taking his jeans to give to Chris. It ends on the line, is everyone in the world fucking gay? Um, from Anwar. And the answer to that is yes! yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, in this scene, uh, this is where I thought Tony turns uh, and he starts being quite dismissive of Chris. But I think there's a sense for me that Tony can't quite deal with the seriousness of the situation. Jao, reviewing the situation, says something along the lines of, what are you going to do? No mum, no dad, you're on your own. Tony says, sounds brilliant. But latching on to that idea, no dad, actually, Chris says, well... He does have a dad. He does have a dad. There is there is another step here. Uh, I like that Jal is the one in this scene who stands up to Tony, who mm. um, sees something else in Chris yeah. and sees his kind of humanity, I guess. Um, I think all of the other characters you know, in in going off to find clothes for him and stuff like that, want to be there for Chris in a very teenage way. But I think Jal is maybe slightly more mature than a lot of them and kind of wants to do something practical and actually physically and emotionally be there for Chris. Yeah, Um, and that literally continues because she accompanies him as uh, Chris goes to his to his dad's house, yes, and he meets his stepmom, who I've I've called in my notes Curly's wife from <laughs> Coronation Street, by which I mean Sarah Lancashire, actual British uh, royalty, one of the twelve British actors, um, Happy Valley. Uh, brilliant, yeah. brilliant actor. Don't know why I still think of her. There's actors though that I like. I still think of Sarah Lancashire as Curly's wife in Corrie, but I also still think of uh, Reese Witherspoon as Jill from Friends. She's like Rachel's sister in one episode of Friends, and I still <laughs> think of her as that. Anyway, that was a little aside. Yeah. So Curly's wife is that <laughs> Curly's wife. <laughs> Uh, So Chris's dad has a new life without him, essentially. Uh, And Chris, in this scene, says that his mum is getting better when he's kind of questioned on on why he's there. Um, It kind of turns out, as the scene goes on, that Chris's dad has no baby photos of him. Mm. Um, Sarah Lancashire gets the the photo album out and it wants to show Jal sort of embarrassing pictures of Chris when he was a kid. Um, And she mistakenly shows him, uh, or shows them, a picture of Peter, who is Chris's big brother. Uh, And Peter, it turns out, 
has died. He has. And the way that this whole scene plays out is really heartbreaking because you can tell from Chris's expression that he knows that there's not going to be a photograph of him in the photo album and that the photo that uh, Sarah Lancashire does pick out is Peter and he tries to tell her and then she shows Jal the photo and then Chris has to explain, no, that's not me, that's Peter, my brother. The uh, boy who never grew up. The boy who never grew up. Oh, there we go, the a name very... Peter. <laughs> what's, the kind, what's that kind of name? A, a, a losery name, like a, a, a losery a, name. A, 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 no, like <laughs> a literary allusion, like an allusion All to Peter Peter's Pan. Are losers. You have <laughs> um, so no, there is a name for like when somebody's there is significant, a, like uh, or what do you mean? No, I don't know. I'm just uh, ignore me. Um, so Chris's dad comes home from work. We never actually see Chris's dad mm. in this episode, or I, I don't think in this series. And he doesn't want Chris to be there. He kind of tells Sarah Lancashire to get rid of him and just goes upstairs for a shower. Um, and while this is happening, Chris is holding his, I guess his half-brother, who's mm-hmm. called Sammy. Um, he's holding him and trying to calm him down and stop him from crying. Mm-hmm. And when Sarah Lancashire comes in... Uh, yeah, and Jal, well, just before Sarah Lancashire comes in, Jal is encouraging Chris and he's saying, oh, you, like holding him correctly and mm. all this kind of stuff. Um, and then Sarah Lancashire enters and says, what does he want, money? Just to kind of get rid of the two of them. But the way that she plays it is this mixture of genuine concern, but also patronising, but also worry and kind of conflict. And also she wants rid of him. And, yeah. like, like, I think it's not her problem. Yeah. It's the dad's problem. And there's nothing really she can do to fix this mm-hmm. apart from give Chris money. Um, but as Chris is holding his little half-brother, um, he drops him. Oh, and... And that was, I cringed when that I happened. I really cringe. I really like, in a good way, I think, like a good dramatic way. I really like, oh, this yeah. is horrible. <laughs> because, and also, I think we get in the absolute next scene, a train spotting illusion. I don't know. I think there's something interesting about the way Skins is playing with train spotting. Um, and I almost was like relating that baby to the train spotting baby when Ooh. I was thinking about it. That maybe that's like describing a dream you had. So please ignore me if that's just a crackers thing to say. But um Chris is running through the park to this great tune. Uh and it, it yeah feels very train spotting. And he's running to the graveyard where his brother is buried. Yeah, Giles in hot pursuit, so she follows him and Chris eventually sits down by the gravestone of Peter and tells her a story in quite a long monologue that, that Joe Dempsey hits out the park. Yeah, just a really good... I find this is a very Skins monologue, and this actually, um, someone sitting, telling some backstory wouldn't usually work. Yeah. Um, but it's a very Skins way of telling a story. It's almost mm-hmm. like a sort of teenage diary style, or it just feels really nice and confessional and earned at this point. Yeah. Like, we haven't actually... As much as we've gotten to know Chris and who he is, we actually don't know that much up until this point about where he's come from. And I think this story is really lovely. So P, once again... Yes! Another uh, instance of P. And there was another one that we didn't mention earlier on, which was when they were at the junkyard, a, a dog pees on Sid. Yeah, um, so piss and erections in this episode. Lots of and fish. Piss, fish and erections. Um, so Chris doesn't want Jal to tell the others about his brother, which I think is very 
interesting about the the relationship that they have now and the way their relationship is going to develop. Um, and he realizes that his mum is still around because she's still leaving flowers at his brother's grave. Uh, and Chris takes the flowers away and leaves his brother a joint. That's an interesting thing as well. The fact that Chris picks up the flowers and sort of replaces them with a joint. Yeah. Like it's as if he's replacing an insincere gesture um. with a with a more sincere one. Or maybe maybe it's more to do with his relationship with his mum that she's left the flowers. So he wants to take that away and leave something of himself instead of leaving mm. something that she's that she's put. Then we go back to the aerobics video. We've we got do. The, the gang all gathered together uh, in front of this. Like, why are they watching this exercise video from the eighties? It is a bit. Well, they're playing a drinking game about um, when you can see nipples. Oh yeah, and Anwar gets very excited. Very about excited. Poor Anwar. <laughs> so far, <laughs> not being given very much. I'll talk about this in the Anwar episode though, but. Apparently, the Anwar's character was written for Dev Patel and developed for Dev Patel because they liked him so much. Oh. And he's based on Dev Patel's personality, <laughs> which seems really interesting to me given the, the very serious films that Dev Patel has been in since Skins. Yeah, and what we know of, of of Anwar's character is pretty much that he's a goofball. Yeah, he likes tits and he's a bit of a goofball. <laughs> They're all playing this stupid drinking game and Chris is off on a sort of separate sofa all on his own. And Jal's the only one who's paying him any attention, which mm. I think is uh, another really sweet a uh, moment between Chris and Jal. Following this little scene, Cassie and Sid have a moment where Cassie, I said invites Sid on a date, but it's more like she tells Sid they're going on a date. Yeah, Chris, uh, Sid is like really reluctant about it. And yeah, it's for somebody almost... who apparently really wants to have sex. And it's like Cassie's twisting his arm and it's like, well, no. Yeah, an attractive girl who's been nothing but nice to you so far wants to go on a date. Uh, what? Uh, also. Um, so following that, Chris goes to see Angie, who has arranged for him to have his own place in the college accommodation. Uh, I did question in this scene, like, where did Chris get his clothes? Because he's wearing, like, almost this kind of business casual moment. Like, I bet he got them all from the second hand shop where Jal got her dress. Oh, wow. <laughs> well, it looked to me, they almost look like Tony clothes, but they're not. They're maybe like Tony's clothes from years ago or something. Yeah, but they're kind of preppy, aren't they? Yeah. Like, yeah. Question, do you have a problem with his preppy? clothes. <laughs> <laughs> so Angie has got Chris a present, which is a fish in a pint glass. When Chris goes into the room, he finds some pills in the drawer that have been left by the person who lived in the room before. And he feeds the fish some pills uh, and pins the packet back up on his wall uh, because all stories are circles. And I fucking love this ending with the song Do It All Over Again by Spiritualized. It's a cycle, man. It's a cycle. All stories are circles. I really fucking love this episode. I know the next bit is like, do you like this episode? Uh, the answer is yes. 
The answer is yes. <laughs> um, so for me, yeah, I think this has a real panache in the writing that we haven't a seen. There's a panache. There is a panache to the writing. And even though, like you said, that monologue is a little bit out of the box for a TV drama and it feels a bit more like a play, you can really, I think that you can really tell that a playwright wrote this episode. Yes, you can actually. And I think that's actually characteristic within Jack Thorne's writing. I think it's very theatrical. Yeah. And I think that that actually works. And I think the contrast of Chris's kind of party boy personality and the comedy and stuff earlier on and the really heavy hitting drama that happens later in the episode that really works with Jack Thorne's writing style. Yes, it's earned. Everything yeah. in it is earned, I would say. Um, and I think Joe Dempsey's performance is really good. Mm-hmm. I think he's one of the real standout performers already in Skins. Yeah. Um, he's, one, he's one of the ones that had actually had a lot of kind of smaller roles in, in other series before. Um, but this was his first real uh, kind of meteor role. You can see why he went on to be in other stuff following this, like Game of Thrones and uh, a clearer cell advert. I think that this is one of the more well-crafted episodes, again, especially in the writing. Yes. Um, The direction's lovely as well. It's so good, like all those um, party scenes and the real sense of, like, you know, this pilled-up philosopher. All the music in it is brilliant. The stuff with the fish and things being filmed through the fish um, fish eye lenses and through the fish bowl and through I just fucking love it yeah and one of the other things that I particularly like about the, this episode are the group hangout scenes because yeah. I feel like this is the clearest example so far that we've had other than that in the first episode the, the scene where they're all sitting about on the green where we get a sense of the dynamics of this mm. friendship group and how they are when they are just hanging out together again with those scenes I would argue they're very theatrical so I think it's quite interesting in the way they're staged like most of the scenes between all of the friends they're all sitting on the same sofa it's Mm. almost like a stage like yeah I I think his writing is so theatrical but so brilliant for it yeah and the fact that we keep returning to them on the sofa again it's that idea of the repeated memes of of the episode the fish the piss the the stiffies um, just the the aerobics video the the things that we keep seeing like again it's like repeating patterns and the, the whole motif of that through the episode is um it's so clever it's so good uh yes so we like this episode 11 out of 10 for me this episode we don't really give grades or anything but a star do you think so you think this is the best episode so far yes uh, i was about to say the best episode of the series but i know that another of my favorite episodes is coming up mm. uh, so we shall have to wait and see uh where we land after that one so yes thank you for joining us this episode of Reskinned. Yeah, if you have any comments, suggestions, favourite tunes or moments from this episode that you'd like to share with us. Your personal outfit of the week would be lovely to hear as well. Absolutely. Uh, Drop us an email at reskinnedpod at gmail.com Follow us, tweet us, DM us or whatever you kids do these days at Reskinnedpod on Twitter as well. We shall see you next week for Sid. Sid. Bye. Bye! Look man, I bought it yesterday. Yeah, and, and I remember you, right, because you've got a very good face for memorising. Right, so, yeah, I bought it from you and you were chuffed to sell it. There's a pop tart in the CD drawer. Mm, take it out.
Clean it. I'll pay for that bit, don't you know? Just sell it on. We can't sell it on. Yes, yeah, so if you clean it... We're not going to clean it. I'll clean it, and I'll bring it back tomorrow. It's soiled. It's unsellable. Whatever you do to it now, we can't take it back. Well, I'll clean it, and then I'll bring it back in tomorrow, and I'll give it to one of the other people that works here. No, you won't, because I would have told them not to take it back, because you've wrecked it. 